This Sunday, I would like to um, spend the time with you making some short comments on the opening prayer and the this first reading and also the gospel. And um, I will do my best not to go too long. I, I never do. What caught my attention was this first prayer. Listen to this first prayer. Yeah, I, I always enjoy dissecting the prayers of the Mass, especially the opening prayer. Because the opening prayer, uh, I mean, these prayers usually, I, 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 would be, I would be willing to, well, you're not supposed to bet on the liturgy, but, but I would be willing to wager that most of the time when the priest says, let us pray, and we pray, that most of us aren't really listening. I, I have to tell you this. I haven't said it in a long time. Many, many years ago, I was present at a, a youth conference. And there were close to. I was present at a youth conference and there were close to, oh, I'd say 4,000 teenagers at this youth conference. And uh, the bishop um, was celebrating Mass. Anyway, um, you know, when it came to the prayers of the faithful, where we, we say, we pray for the Holy Father, and we pray for the people, we pray for health, and everybody goes, Lord, hear our prayer, Lord, hear our prayer. There's about four or five of them. And I'll never forget, I mean, it was standing in the crowd, and the bishop, for some reason, was doing them himself, and not a lector. And he had gone through two or three of them, and 4,000 people were going, Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, hear our prayer, or whatever the bishop would say. And then very, very monotonely, he said, the bishop said, Lord, we also pray that the roof of this arena fall upon us and kill us all. We pray to the Lord. About 3,000 people said, Lord, hear our prayer. You know, because we really don't listen. You know, yeah, 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 whatever. What, what is it? What is it you want to pray for? But listen to this today. I have to put my glasses on. Grant, Almighty God, that the yearly observance of Holy Lent, that we may grow in understanding of the riches hidden in Christ, and by worthy conduct, pursue their effects. Now just that sentence. Grant Almighty God, through the yearly observance of Holy Lent, that we may grow in understanding of the riches hidden in Christ, and by worthy conduct, pursue their effects. Now, the first comment I want to make is notice that 
What the church is asking for you is not to believe. That's presumed. We're asking for understanding, that we may grow in understanding of the riches hidden in Christ. I, I have to tell you, I have been, in all the years that I've been a priest, the majority of people that I meet don't grow in understanding. They go to Mass, and they pretty much make very little effort to understand why the church teaches what it teaches and why, why the gospel is saying what it does say. It's interesting because in the study that I've been doing lately, I, I've been coming to understand that what we call religion is really, I mean, not any religion, but that what we call the Christian faith, properly understood, is reality. Now, let me say that again. That the Christian faith, properly understood, is reality. Now, what does that imply? It implies that most of us, I would dare say all of us to some degree, are living in an illusion. Now, I'm not telling you that you're not in touch with the physical world. Most of us are in touch with the physical world. But it's just that we understand the physical world and our time and our lives in it, and that that understanding is upside down. And we think that's the way it's supposed to look like. We think it's normal. But what the gospel is trying to do is to change the way you think. See, I've, lately I've been doing this, this di distinction between being a believer and being a disciple. You can be a believer without being a disciple. Now, I, I can say I believe in God, but what does that mean? I, I think, you know, if, for example, if I say to you, I, I believe that the Christ statue at the top of the mountain overlooking Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, I've, I've seen it on TV, I've never been there, but I believe that it exists. Now, I've seen it on TV. Now, what if one day my belief is, is challenged and somebody says, Father, that's all computer generated. There is no such statute. Well, my belief in that would collapse. Would it matter to me? Absolutely not. Couldn't care less whether that statute does exist or doesn't exist. My belief 
Yeah, I can say I am a believer, but it doesn't mean much. Now imagine that uh, you're going to have brain surgery and your doctor comes in and stands next to your bed and it's very dangerous. And after you finish talking, you turn to him and you say, I believe in you. Are you saying that you believe he exists? No. You are saying, you're using the word believe, but you are basically saying, I'm my behavior, I am entrusting you cutting my head open. I'm entrusting my life to you. Notice that that belief, that statement of belief, is fundamentally different. So the question that I, I've started making the distinction is that a believer is a, a person who, yeah, you know, you may go to church, believe in God. Yeah, nice. But are you really a believer in the sense of you putting your life in his hands and you are a disciple. And as I constantly hammer, you're supposed to be a disciple, not just a believer. A disciple is a student. Now, what does a student strive to do? Well, a student strives to understand. Almighty God, through this yearly observance of Lent, may we grow in understanding of the riches of Christ. You're supposed to be trying to understand the connecting points between what you say you believe and reality. See, we don't want you to believe it just because the church says it. The church says it, the gospel says it, because it's reality. What we have not come to understand is that we are living in the illusion. And that's why I think older people are wiser. And what does that word mean? It, it means you grow in touch with reality. Younger people, not all, but younger people, and I've seen some old fools also, but younger people tend to be in touch with more of a self-generated illusion of what life is all about. They're fools. And so we're supposed to be growing in understanding of the riches hidden. Notice that they're hidden. They're not, uh, they're not plain because you are affected by you're basically drunk on the culture. You're, you know, I haven't seen this movie in a long time, long time. But what is it, The Matrix? You know, where the, the people are living in a computer-generated world and somebody has to make the choice as to whether to consume the red pill or the blue pill, and I think your red pill is to get you back in reality, but it's not a, it is a rough going. 
I think a lot of us are there. We're just kind of going day by day. But we're living in a, maybe not a computer generated, but I, I think original sin, see, see, original sin has been removed, but not the effects of it. You know, it's kind of like, um, you know, if, if you do something and somebody forgives you, they've forgiven you, but the effects of what you did don't necessarily, are not necessarily removed because somebody forgave you. You may disobey and touch a hot iron and you may be forgiven, but you're still going to be burned. The effects of original sin still make us live in a kind of an illusion. And the only remedy is for you to learn to learn to understand how to become, how to get back in touch with reality. And reality, the path to reality, is shown to us by Jesus. I, I've said this to you before. Jesus is the only normal human being. To the degree that you are like him, you're on your path to reality. To the degree that you're not, you're still lost. And that's why Jesus would say, let the blind leading the blind. And you know, they both fall into a hole. Blindness is a common metaphor in the New Testament because the Pharisees think they see, but they're blind. They're living in an alternate universe. And they think it's reality. But Jesus is the only one. That's why St. Paul says, put on the mind of Christ. Otherwise, you're going to be living in an illusion. And it's interesting because the day you die, boy, is that illusion going to be removed. It, I, I have no idea how I'm going to react. I'm, I'm still doing my best to wake up. By the way, that's an, it's an interesting thing. <clears throat> Do you know what the word Buddha means in Buddhism? Buddha in Buddhism is the one who woke up. That's what it means. Buddha, the one who woke up. Woke up from what? From living in a dream. From living in the illusion. And that's what Buddhism is all about, by the way. Is living, waking up. That's what is, is called enlightenment. Living in, in reality and not in a, some kind of a, a stupid illusion. And then notice this. And after understanding the riches hidden in Christ and be made worthy by, and by worthy conduct pursue its effects. Now notice the distinction between even understanding and conduct. You know, you can say, yeah, 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 I believe. Oh, yeah, I understand. But how much does that affect your conduct? Um, worthy conduct. Pursue their effects. Notice the effects. 
believing, believing has to lead to conduct, to change. And that conduct helps you to pursue the effects of what you believe. It's interesting because, you know, the, the second thing I was going to comment on is this from St. Paul. Um, and St. Paul says, um, let me see where I can say it. Uh, St. Paul says, for one who believes with his heart will be saved. For one justified and one confesses with mouth and so is saved. No one who believes in him will be put to shame. Yeah, but what do you mean by believe? Do you, do you really mean, do you mean, yeah, I believe, like I believe in the Christ statue? Or when you hand yourself over to a neurosurgeon? And what the problem, everyone, you know, even at the very end, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yes. But St. Paul was talking about putting your life into his hands and calling on the name of the Lord with your... That's what it means when you believe in your heart. It's not about an emotion. It's not about, oh, Jesus, I love you. No. It's by your conduct. By your conduct. That's why, you know, this is a big issue with many Protestants. A lot of times people say, well, all I have to do is believe, say, I believe in the Lord Jesus and I have accepted him to my heart and as, a, as my Savior. Well, okay. How's your conduct changed? <coughs> and people say, well, blah, blah, blah. It, it, it's not, you're, you're dreaming. That's not the way to interpret St. Paul. Anyway, uh, I just think, and then the, in the gospel, I just let me make one commentary. What Jesus is going through in the temptations here is exactly um, believing in his father, but putting his conduct where it ought to be. Notice that the devil, what the devil is offering Jesus are shortcuts. All of the things that Jesus needs to do are, and the devil is telling him, they're good things. But, but, but Jesus is being tempted to reach his goals by shortcuts. The devil says to him, if you're the son of God, command these stones to turn into bread. Now, what's that a shortcut for? Well, pleasure. I mean, he's hungry. He's hungry. He, instead of pursuing life the way life has to be led according to the will of his father, the devil is saying, excuse a shortcut. It isn't what you want, just the effects. You don't have to pursue all that. You can pursue a shortcut. And we do that all the time. Instead of following the way that I, mean, I, I do that. What is, for example, what is food? Food is, uh, 
Food is for nutrition. Well, every time I look at myself in the mirror and I look at this belly, I, I go, man, I have been abusing food. Now, I'm still in the grip of that. I'm still struggling with it. But I'm struggling with an illusion that instead of facing God, I can face the refrigerator and it will go away. Haven't you ever done that? Stare in front of the refrigerator and you don't know what you want to eat because you're not hungry, but you know you got to eat. It's not your stomach that's hungry. It's something else. And then listen to the next one. The devil said to him, I'll show him all the kingdoms of the world in a single instant. And I shall give them all to you if you worship me. A shortcut. Jesus is supposed to save all humankind. But he's got to go through confronting evil and ultimately evil's assault on him through the cross. What's the devil asking him to do? Take a shortcut. You can achieve the same thing without having to go through all of that. Take the shortcut. It's pragmatic, very pragmatic. But the devil is asking him to veer away from his appointed path. And then the last one. Jesus said to him, I mean, uh, the devil said to him, I shall give, uh, let's see, blah, blah, blah. Okay, then he led him to Jerusalem and made him stand at the parapet of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written that he will command his angels to support you. Yeah, you know what it, that, that is? Everybody recognize me. I am the Messiah. But not the way. That's another shortcut. Throw yourself down. You can achieve the same thing. People are going to be going, whoa, you are the Messiah. Look at that. All the angels are supporting him. He is the Messiah. Yay, he's the Messiah. Shortcut. He doesn't have to go through what he has to go through. He doesn't have to confront reality. He can just take the shortcut. Arguably, by the way, these three temptations match the three temptations of Eve and Adam. Okay? When they eat the fruit, they're offered a shortcut to being like gods. Just eat. That's all you got to do. Just eat. And it's always an escape from reality. Anytime that the devil is offering you a shortcut, he's offering you an escape from reality. And Jesus is supposed to be do, do, doing that. A shortcut so that everybody will recognize you. Everybody will recognize you. Reminded me earlier of people who live for social media. You know, please recognize me. I have a gazillion followers. For what? Have you done anything? Have you, have you made anything? Have you... Have you, in front, have you followed the path of confrontation with reality? Or is it just about all the stuff in social media that's fake? Tons of selfies in all kinds of different places. So as you begin Lent, I just want to bring those three things to you. Understand conduct 
Change the way you think. Try to understand because unless you understand, you're not going to be able to change the way that you live. And uh, whenever you're offered a very interesting shortcut, try to smell beneath it. Because most of the time, the shortcuts are a pathway to not where you want to go. Shortcuts are, I always used to, I had a friend a long time ago um, who used to say that drugs are spiritual burglary. Well, think about that. Drugs, spiritual burglary. You want to you want to have the experience of a tremendous insight or a tremendous, you know, acid or LSD or cocaine or whatever, but you don't want to have to deal with it during reality. You want a shortcut. Take a pill. Spiritual burglary. All of those are shortcuts. Lent is a time to make sure that we're not taking shortcuts and that we're confronting reality and understanding by thinking like Jesus.